Is that on? Okay, cool. It's on. All right. <laughs> hello, hello, hello. This is the 104th episode of the Metal Threads podcast. I'm here with Miss Seno, if she's like to say anything. Hi, how are you guys doing? And I am pronouncing it right, right? Seno? Yes, it's right. Seno, Seno. Same, same thing. Oh, and what does your name mean? Just wondering. Well, that is actually my nickname. My full name is Sasiana, which means whatever God gives me, I'm satisfied with. That is cool. Yeah. African kids, I swear, they are, they be going over the top. Like, because my middle name is Dolake. It means uh, one can't make it alone. You see, and I'm I'm not going to front. I feel like whenever African parents name their children, it's like the name fits. And it's just always like, why is it like that? So, interestingly enough, with my name, how it came to be about was that I always like to tell this story because I feel like it's always a little funny story. So, at the time I was born, my parents already had um, two girls. So, they were were wishing for a boy because like okay we kind of want four kids let's make it two girls two boys and <laughs> when my mom was pregnant with me they wanted me to be a surprise and my mom was like I was like technically her worst pregnancy today and she was like I kept kicking I kept moving so she's like yeah this is the boy We're, I'm convinced this is a boy and then when I was born they're like no it's a girl and my mom was like no way no 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 <laughs> still got the warrior spirit now. yeah I got the warrior spirit and um they were like, damn, we don't got the boy. But my dad was like, you know what? I'm happy God gave me another girl or another child. And only God knows why he gave me this girl. So Yeah, and as long as you're healthy, that's all that matters. Some yeah. people be born with, like, deformities and stuff. And right, like, oh, right. Look like the elephant man. <laughs> Not to keep, be confused with the reggae and with the dance artist, like an elephant man. I mean, the legit elephant man. And so no one wants to, no one wants to deal with that and stuff of that nature. So, like, I, I could I could feel that on that end. I think I was named – my middle name was – uh, brought on to me uh, because I was middle named after uh, my father's uh, one of his favorite uncles and he was like a builder and he was able to build anything just from the top of his mind didn't even have to draw stuff out just like oh you want a house okay here and I was the kind of guy so it's just like you know those those are the spirits that kind of run through me I was named after like okay the builder in that sense like so it's like I, I, and I since I see myself as one that likes to build upon others or wants to build on and invest within himself so that spirit runs through me and like uh, my father my uh, grandfather on his side was a hunter so it's like I had the spirit of the hunter running through me so it's like anything that i visualize anything that i want to get i seek it out and i capture it you know something like a hunter so you see how like that face and it's just like how did you guys create this and i, I would sit there and say i kind of wish like even though this is a, a topic for another day but i'm like even though like our parents over here practice like christianity and stuff this is all kind of like spirituality things mm-hmm. because i'm just like you literally look at a child and based on the energy that child is giving you at birth that is what you name it mm-hmm. and they have the whole baby naming ceremony or anything like that and i'm just like we're in christianity you have this you're supposed to be named like susan and ruth and we we don't fit these names (laughs) yeah and even in the black church and everything you got people dancing hollering and everything that's not very aligned with christianity in a sense because in church it's supposed to be quiet and stuff of that nature where it's just like you know i feel like a lot of our beliefs are very much more reflecting on nature and just spirituality in general. Let's be honest, yeah. it's based on colonism. Because let's be honest, Nigeria was colonized. Luckily, Liberia was one of the few African um, colon- countries. Yeah, countries that was wasn't colonized. But I actually did a history of Liberia, and funny enough, Liberia was created for all the freed blacks to come back yeah, to because they were like, let's get rid of y'all in the 
the U.S. Yep. So it was kind of like blacks forming their own identity and sitting there and, you know, trying to connect back to their roots and ancestors from where they came from. So I respect the culture that much as well, which yeah. is why their their flags kind of reflect the U.S. flag a little bit. <laughs> it's glad that you actually know to that degree, too. I had to explain it to nobody. But, yeah, that's basically it. Em. But uh, honestly, uh, the, the negativity that came with that, though, because a lot of U.S. slaves were carrying a lot of the whole uh, their whole I don't want to say sense of identity, but a lot of their values kind of reflected um, a lot of the values back in plantation days. So it's like, you know, the ones that I thought they the slaves kind of saw themselves as above the indigenous people. Mm-hmm. They saw themselves as superior. They saw themselves as like, you know, they're lighter skin. They're more up there. And that's where they had issues going forward for Civil War and everything. You know, it's just the issues with that. Like, oh, OK, I was brought here to take control of your own stuff. And that's where that's where issues started. So. Yeah, which I agree. And I feel like one thing that hurts so much is that I can't even think of like one African country that did not have a civil war. Like, it's so hard. I'm like, every single one had a civil war. Some of them led to genocide. Some of them are still in civil war. And we would, they never will know what peace is. And it, and then just like, it's because of this old colonism, this mind frame that I'm better than you. And I'm just like, you all look the same. Yeah. You all want the same thing. But at the same time, it's also with tribalism too. Like, tribes like to compete with each other and things of that nature, which is not a problem. <laughs> but at the same token, it's when we start introducing guns and stuff of that nature your drugs into the situation you know all the resources are being taken away on the background and everything and then uh uh, africa is pretty much left raped of everything and that's just the saddest thing about it as a whole the only way to really reverse a lot of this is when they start to discover self-love start to discover (laughs) self-discovery in the self and just it's cool to be aligned with christianity but christianity is a little bit more ancient than the christianity that they kind of put up right now like jesus was originally uh called Isa. So it's just like, yeah. if we can go back to those times, really just trying to get aligned with that and seeing each other as pretty much one big tribe, um, like Black Panther with it. Right, <laughs> but, Wakanda, uh, bro. Yeah, yes, <laughs> if they had that mindset would be good, but it's like, you know, because we are, a lot of African countries speak English anyway. So yeah. it's like, you know, even, I know it is what it is, but that should be a, like a step forward in understanding each other. Yeah, good. so you see, for example, how at least in Europe, if you are a citizen in one country, you are able to just travel to different European countries without, you know, too much restrictions in place. But, and sometimes they have certain things like that in Africa as well, but they make it's so difficult for you to even get your passport mm-hmm. to even want a child because like they want you to sit there and suffer with the rest of the nation and be poor and not have the what's going for you and it's like and it, they create this whole mentality that I don't want you to do better than me uh-huh. I'm not sitting here to support you and I'm like that's the downfall so it's like you can't trust anybody you have to be selfish yeah it's just like it ha- it's sex that it has to be like that because it's like you know I always feel like it's always against our own people even in the states and in Africa too it's always feel like we're our worst enemy something about someone in the same complexion of you doing better than you just doesn't sit right a white person can go and freaking find Amazon and Microsoft and do anything and nobody feels some type of way oh yeah Microsoft oh Oh yeah, Amazon. I like Amazon, but it's like PNB Rock uh, at the you know artist PNB Rock being at the Waffle House or IHOP or whatever. So oh yeah, we gotta kill this dude. Right, that was so heartbreaking because I'm just like this. This man is one of the least problematic artists out there. Like I've I've actually watched him in concert, and I was just amazed at the amount of people he had on stage. And I was like, all these people for him, like it was like a whole large ass entourage. And I was sitting here like, I. 
I, you know, I tend to follow like little rap beef here and there. I've never really heard this dude have a problem with anybody. Sometimes that's what it takes. You don't even have to have a beef with somebody. Sometimes you could be just chilling, and people just can't take that because what you what you represent to them is a sense that you found salvation, and you know it's that plan, it's that plantation mentality and that bucket of crab mentality that's pretty much been instilled in us for centuries, and everything that we really, really need to break, mind you, very, very soon. But we need to start getting comfortable with seeing other people be successful. And that's what I got from an HBCU. I don't know what college you went to and everything. <laughs> but it's like everybody roots for you. Everybody wants you to do whatever. Everybody wants you to get involved. Everybody <laughs> is just one, just one, just one. So it's just like, you know, even if you don't have to be around each other, you don't hang out each other, you don't let it bother you. But it's like once you're, you're in this, this situation where it's just you have people that's hating on you, people that just can't stand to see you happy, when you have certain aspects of yourself that it's just whether well, it don't even got to be money it could be something about yeah your drive your discipline your spirituality your your sense of just of charisma things of that nature it just doesn't sit with people and it's just like cause they're not willing to do the work on themselves and you know it's just it's all reflecting of the plantation people that love to be on it people that are happy to get the little socks a little sleep in the in the attic and then there's other people that are like nah it's not for me i want to leave the plantation mm-hmm. <laughs> they'll always be they'll always be tension between <laughs> these sides going forward which is true um i just kind of like want to just go back to your hbcu reference i did not go to hbcu school where'd you go I went to a school in New York. That's where I'm from. It was like SUNY Albany. So there it was kind of like diverse for me. So you had like the, you know, the whites, the blacks, Hispanics. You had always a crowd to to mix in with, which is kind of like the experience I'm looking for. I actually went to an all black boarding school in Mississippi. And I was like, oh, these are kid folks out here. But um, that experience, I mean, my experience is different. So for me, growing up in New York was very diverse. It was kind of like a little bit different to go into an atmosphere where it's just all black of people of your kind. So I appreciate it because I'm like, yo, you know, I'm getting to know people. But at the same time, there's certain instances where I feel like as an African, because, you know, growing up, we didn't really fit in with the blacks either. Mm-hmm. Like, they hated us. They're like, oh, you're the intelligent one. They consider us more intelligent. I'm like, I'm not even trying to be more intelligent. But they, they, they were like... Try to put, they try to box yeah, you out. Yeah, they box you out. Like, oh, you know... Not all the time, though. Yeah, not all the time. Like, oh, you talk proper, you dress proper, all this other stuff. You're trying to be better than us. And I'm like, no, it's it's the values that our parents instilled in us that if you failed, you would not have a roof over your head. Like, <laughs> I mean, for some people, like my mom was a little bit more lenient, but we used to beef too. I feel like it's just different experience for everybody. There are some African families that's like, they're like family dynamics and everything was like top tier. Whereas like for my family, you know, we're Liberians and everything. A lot of things, we got to like really work to really get ourselves together. So like it leads to a lot of confusion and the family falling apart and then that really reflects in aspects of other sides of life too. So what I see from you is that you had your family together throughout your life correct like mother father everybody. yeah yeah so, right there like you know yeah. grandma came through too <laughs> yeah, yeah. so you have like a very solid family dynamic you know and it's just like you know i come from a home where it's just like where things kind of fell apart mm-hmm. so it's like a lot of things i had to really build on my street smarts i had to think see things from more 10 to 20 steps ahead so it's like a lot of the times i did face like a certain situations like you did but they're only in areas of a pwi or what they were predominantly you know yeah. like you know where they're kind of 
next because it's like, it always felt like they had to try harder in areas like yeah. or the HBCU. No one even cared. Everybody, no care. you could be a nerd, you could be African, you could be everybody has a place. Everybody mingles. I feel like the difference when it comes to that crowd is what type of music you listen to. That's where the difference is. Okay? You you see people play. You see people listening to uh, rock music in, in HBCU. Yeah. No one cares. The thing is, like, it's just I feel like people are a little bit more mature. At that stage, that's one thing. But also another thing, everyone should focus on just getting their experiences in. So it's like really the whole comp- competing against people or trying to be tribalist over it. Mm-hmm. It's just not there or that's fluent. Like people would even get in a fight and that would be forgotten like the next day. <laughs> so it's just like I would I, I feel you on the on the side like where we had those issues with our uh, black American uh, counterparts here. And everything, but it's all comes from the plantation. Have you ever watched Roots? You never watched Roots, have you? No, my parents were like, "We're good off that." Definitely got to check out Roots <laughs> if you want to really get an understanding. See, because it's like Kunta was really, really trying to preserve his way of life that mm-hmm. they instilled with him. Uh, with the Mandingo people um, from where he came. I think it was Gambia, I think. You know, Mandingos mm-hmm. are kind of all over the place, but it's yeah. just like, because they travel a lot. So it's just like, um, but that's just where where he was. So he's really trying to really carry that Mandingo warrior, all the values he was taught by his parents to keep it within him because that's him yeah. and everything. But they were trying to take that away from him. And a lot of African black, uh, the, a lot of slaves on the plantation kind of just saw that as mumbo jumbo. They saw it as just like, what, what is that? Or that's whatever. They didn't respect it. Yeah. To a certain degree. So it's just like, you know, in our culture, it's kind of like it's so different because they were literally uh, just torn away from that experience. So it's like when they see us, I'm not trying to say it's like it's not it's not no jealousy. It's nothing. But within the layers of it, a lot of it comes with a little sense of envy to a certain degree. But then on the other side of it, it's also just a sense of just they just don't know. I would say ignorance is bliss. Yeah, it's just ignorance. Yeah, that's what it is. And, you know, sometimes, um, especially in Mississippi, where it's just like, you know, God knows why you live there. Mm -hmm. But (laughs) I would say the food was amazing. But, you know, it was just one of those that sometimes I oftentimes feel like I had to like explain myself or you know um, explain my identity and that time became kind of crucial for me because growing up we Africans weren't really desired mm-hmm. growing up sometimes even though I went to an all black school district which is kind of amazing growing up um, and then I ended up switching to like one that was more like white and mainly white but we still had a good crowd of like black Hispanics mm-hmm. in New York but we're not mainly black. A lot of people are like, oh, you African booty scratchers. And, yeah. you know, it, I was ashamed to, to be African. So I, my parents just like, all right, we're going to wear the national, you know, the attire, the native wear. And I used to hate wearing at the time because I'm just like, these people, like, yeah, these people are going to make fun of me. Yeah, <laughs> going to bring attention to you. I was never ashamed yeah. of my culture. Like, never. But I always was teased over it sometimes. I mean, like, oh, you're so, you're dark and everything. I try to talk about your complexion. Yeah. And then other people darker than you. You, there'd be black American people darker than you and everything, right. but it'll be an issue. Well, the thing is, like, it's just so it's tired, you know, when people it do was that. Tired. It was very, very tired. But it's just, I feel like those people kind of grow up to just stay corny forever and they that don't do anything true. good for themselves. Like, they might become homeowners, they might do other things, but they don't really do anything that's worth of note, that's worthy of things of that nature. See, when you face people that are like that, that are just coming forms that are just ignorant like that or mm-hmm. try to, like, try to test you on some of that nature, like, when people 
are being cruel to you, it's really just a test, a lesson to really uh, learn what the importance of charity. When people betray you, it's really just a reflection to to learn the importance of loyalty. And you know, it just and uh, when people lie to you, it really shows you the importance of trans uh, of honesty and transparency. So it's just like you know, I just say just take the lessons as they are and move forward. But you know, it's just like I've never yeah yeah when you're young though, it's like you don't know how to deal with these lessons because it's like growing up I had you know kind of like rigorous parents where it's just like mm-hmm. academics or die like and so, nothing wrong with that but right. at least they provided you like at an environment they pro- yeah, and, yeah they pro- actually... at least they provided me a well you know a well environment that you know I had a roof over my head I had like nice clothes here and there yeah. um so you know I was just like okay and you know sometimes in order to to get the little things I had to like fight for it when I say fight for it it's like I had to be like the best in class to show my parents like listen I did what you asked for reward me you know and sometimes I was just like you know sometimes you don't need to do this with your children it was it's kind of weird but you see the importance of that it taught you the importance of of working hard you know they're putting they're instilling a consistent sense of expectation for you although it was probably tough to keep up with it it shows you to really overcome your own limits and everything like you know it's just at least they were consistent at least they provided you an environment but I'm sure if you were having an issue at school that was not having you be successful, I'm pretty sure they would have listened. I, right? Yeah, that that is true. I mean, I got yeah. in trouble here and there where yeah. they were like, "Listen, well, that's part of the reason why I ended up getting shipped to the boarding school in Mississippi because they were like, you know what, we we gotta figure something yeah. out. I think Africans are gonna find a way to right, send you. Gonna if find they can it. afford it, they're gonna send you. <laughs> they're like, you know what, it's not so bad. You need to go back to Africa, but you know what, it's a little bad that you need some space away from here. And I would say back to you, uh, back to what you're coming like, it does develop a, a great work ethic, but at the same time, I feel like you um you sometimes don't appreciate the time to stop and smell the flowers yeah so to to sit there and appreciate the little things in life to sit there and take time to know what you know what i'm working too hard let me take a break they're like keep going you need to be rich you need to be successful so sometimes it's just like these are great things to have but where are the times that i can stop and be a child or where the times i could stop and you know like enjoy going to the movies or hanging with my friends a little bit where it's not overindulgent you're already yeah. trained me enough that I could be able to balance the two just let me try and do it <laughs> yeah yeah but it's like you just gotta just take it like I feel like that's a blessing in sense because some people don't because I feel like a lot of us African kids gotta mature a little bit faster although our parents kind of teach us like like babies to a certain mm-hmm. degree but I feel like a lot of us instill a sense of responsibility that a lot of people just don't understand a lot of us have to carry like for my case like you know the whole Liberia thing we really felt apart after the yeah. two civil wars you know yeah. it's, it was a apocalyptic and we're still trying to get things together rwanda was able to bounce back because they had a sense of discipline on what they themselves what they wanted to accomplish and now they're like the singapore of africa which is crazy (laughs) but it's just like you know but at the same token it's just you know us the liberian kids in like uh america here like you know uh it's really we're still constantly trying to work and push until we actually make uh come up with the ideas actually like really instill in a, a sense of responsibility to really not just help our families here but help our families back home too Mm -hmm. so it's just it's really just it's really a trial of really uh, really building oneself and persevering through whatever issues that we're having uh, for the sake of building the best version of ourselves later Mm -hmm. there are some kids that don't really follow in their path and then they get strung up with drugs they get trying to link in with gangs and stuff of that nature you know that's a lot of the situations that we're having with a lot of the Liberians here in Charlotte 
lot of Liberian kids that grew up here is that they they fall off their path instead of just keep on to it. So it's just like, you know, when it comes to situations where I could really get it mixed in with a lot of these crowds, I really thank God that at least I have like a purpose in terms yeah. of like really focusing on like, no, I got to do it for like my my brother, my baby cousins too, and a lot of my family also. Because it's like, I'm not saying that I'm the chosen one in terms of like, but I, in terms of just what I've been through, the things I had to deal with and yeah, everything. Yeah, your name. Yeah, yeah it, the, even the name itself. It's just, there's a lot of generational cur- uh, curses that I have to really push hard to break. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I really take a lot of these lessons in of just saying, okay, this is just developing me to be the best version of myself. Mm-hmm. So it's just, you, you, when you look at things like that, there's going to come a point in life where it's just like God will take care of everything. You know, literally God will pay you tenfold if you really just take the time to focus on yourself. And that's kind of how I see it. Like going forward, it's like with positivity, optimism, even when I want to give up, like literally all I'm focused on is really just building myself. And then like, there'll be a point in life where I can really just do whatever I can go to the club. I can do whatever. <laughs> Let me just focus on myself now. And that's what your parents have installed into you too. Yeah. You'll have the time where you can be independent and do whatever, but right now just chillax, work what you got to work on. And then you can play time and do whatever you want later. So it's just, at least you're not screwing your life over. Yeah. But then ask the question, when is later? Because as long as your parents are alive, they're like, okay, you're doing good. But but now there's always something else they want you to do. How old are you? Me, I'm about to be 30 in about two weeks or so. Really? You look so young. I thought you were younger than me for a minute. I wish we had our life together. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's crunch time now. So even now, I feel like I don't have my life together. But if you ask my friends and certain family members, you're like, you have your life together. You're just figuring out the little details, which is why I'm just like, I wish the parents before would have allowed us to stop and smell the flowers. So I could have like figured out these little details okay. as I'm navigating life. They're like, now they're like, all right. I remember before there was like no boyfriends as a female, no boyfriends. And I'm sitting here like, I have to date. I have to know the type of man that I should bring home to you to get married. And it was like, I could not date until I was basically out of college. And then after college, you're like, all right, where's your husband? I'm like, you expect him to just fall from the sky after all this? Yeah. I don't know how to date because you didn't really allow me to date. So. I mean, the, expect- the expectations are kind of just a little bit unrealistic sometimes. You know, yeah. it's just like, at this stage of my life, you want it comes to even dating too it's like i'm really just trying to focus on myself like i start my job with novon health like next week and so it's like, oh yeah no thank you very much but it's just like at the same time it's like i just to get a foot in the door care associate and then maybe down the line marketing coordinator if i want to stay in charlotte after that maybe i want to kind of relocate to dc and everything okay. so it's just like you know let me just try to save as much money as i can until then and really like try to fix up my credit a little bit try to do some other things you know you see that this yeah. is things even growing up you still like i am still make some terrible mistakes but yeah. you know what I gotta sit there and I gotta work through it I gotta figure it out yeah. and then it's like so I feel like sometimes even though you make mistakes it's I feel like it's shameful to tell your parents because they, mm-hmm. they hold you to this high expectation of yeah. you have to do this you have to be perfect in their eyes yeah. and I'm like but there's no really such thing as perfect because okay. we're human and we're flawed so learn that for your children that's what, that's what, I'm not gonna yeah. put that down yeah. for everything and I was like but, yeah. but that's what I realized and that's what comes down to like the generation trauma of trying yeah. to stop because I'm just like how some of the values my parents had I would sit there and be like I would never do this 
to my kid like what and it's interesting enough that these conversations technically don't depending on the parent you have these conversations technically don't always happen or don't happen until you're like well into your 30s when your parents mm. start opening up and so like I kind of like I lost my dad in the end of 2020 so oh, damn, I'm sorry to hear it's that. okay and he was kind of like the, the the patriarch the one that glued us all together mm. so now it's just me trying to figure out how to have better relationships with like my mom and my siblings aren't fine but you know sometimes it's just like how we deal with grief is very different um so even now just having like my mom because me and my mom didn't have a great like relationship Relationship. growing up yeah and i I just don't know what it is with like sometimes the moms and the females it just don't work out but (laughs) yeah yeah. it's even worse when it's like the eldest son and the female like it's like like, because like that's my main like woman context so it's like how do you think that bleeds into my relationship how do you think it's gonna affect me dating men like i have like thank god i had a great father great you know great figure to to hold me to the of what I expected a man but you know when it comes to you and the dynamics of the woman what you need to provide to your man I'm just like well you're telling me to do all these things but you don't do it for my dad you know you didn't do it with him or so why are you forcing those ideals on me when that's something you didn't accept in yourself I mean regardless and everything you're not dating for your parents you're dating to find whoever you gotta find who likes you who actually respects you who actually wants to grow with you not the one that you love love the most that you have the most passion for right. it's about the ones that you know you can actually build with in due time it's all about respect it all comes down to respect and everything and that's just something that a lot of us have to learn because i feel like respect is such a weird thing like growing up as like an african kid because it's like it always feels like it's unattainable <laughs> like it really feels like we're just constantly trying to it fight is. and then it it's is. just like especially like depending depending on what type of african parents some people got the chill african parents and everything yeah where it's like okay like i just instilled this with you just make the right decisions i'll work with you or it's like for us it's like i feel like my dad was more like the chill African parent like he had expectations for me and he would prefer me to like you know be like as best as I can but like now he's like beginning to understand like I'm really working hard mm-hmm. and even through a lot of these issues that I had to deal with and everything I'm still managing to make things work regardless right. and I realized yeah. Even though we're supposed to be dating for ourselves, I feel like your parents are still somewhat affecting your dating preferences. Oh, no, no, because it's like you have to bring them home and your parents can either approve or deny them. And then especially with certain cultures, um, I'm from like a smaller tribe, but I know sometimes I think that you're about evil people. You have to bring a, a dowry amount in order to be accepted, you know, as for the wedding or to be married. And if you, do, you don't bring that large money that they're looking for, they will sit there and tell you, you cannot marry this person. Yeah. And I'm like, why are you there and denying people love like because of monetary value so it's always trying to break those cycles to try to find what pleases you but sometimes you always you know it's like at the same time you don't want to disappoint your parents because they always want to throw in your face oh i did this for you i did that for you and it's just like you don't want to ever come off as ungrateful because it's just like i'm happy you gave me life i'm happy you provided but this is my life yeah this is my life and they're like oh yeah to them you say that they can Sort of disrespectful, and I'm and like, if you can, that's you're selfish. So right, like, selfish, and then they go tell your aunties and your uncles. Yeah, like, and they turn the whole you. family yeah. against you. Like, bro, can you like chillax? Right, they got the call you like, oh, you said this to your mom. I'm like, what? It's just trying to vilify you in your own yeah. family, like, yo. And I feel like as young generational people, you have to be okay with being the villain sometimes. You kind of do because that, yeah, that's what because it's you like. gotta fight for your own respect. You gotta fight for your own life because it's just like I feel like a lot of issues in my life stem from like me trying to be people please from my mom me being in environments i had no business being in too long you know i had issues in middle school and high school especially and that channeled 
been to like community college college mm-hmm. with the same circles of people. I had to deal with so much disrespect. I had to deal with so much discrimination. And where my moms really could have just taken me out of the school and put me in a different place. I could have gone to Hawthorne High School where they actually specialize in biology and stuff of that nature. Maybe I'd be more on my path of being a doctor if I wanted to keep mm-hmm. that one. But to be on when you reach a certain level, you just don't want to mess with that stuff anymore because it becomes more complicated. You're so behind and then you get older and it's like there's no passion behind it anymore. Yeah. So it's like I, I went with business and everything because I feel like it would be you'll give my people more opportunities, especially if they came straight out of Africa and I can give them a job, show them how to do whatever mm-hmm. I got to do for my business and everything. Just little things just to keep them here so they can be able to start a family. Uh, so their kids can be able to go to school, go to college and everything. And then the wealth grows after that. Then they do their own thing. You know, it's just that's how you that's how we compete in this country. And this is a capitalist country. You got to compete. So if I have the know how in terms of just how to start a business, how to run a business and all the ins and outs of marketing and building that brand to bring in revenue that can also bring opportunities for my people also. Not everybody can be a doctor. <laughs> you see, and that's what I feel like. African parents they kind of realize they only look at it you could be a doctor lawyer engineer that's the only three professions they will ever accept lawyer ain't bad it's not but not everybody wants to do it you know and it's just one of the or you could be like sometimes they'll accept the nurse for the females yeah. you, you can be a nurse you know yeah you can get jobs with that. right you can get jobs with that and even now like I'm sitting here in the legal sector because I had ambitions to be a lawyer but now I'm sitting here questioning whether that's something I fully want to do and I have a great paying uh, job at that but mom's like you could be making more as a lawyer I'm like well maybe like maybe that's not what I want to do let me figure it out and I'm like I don't like how sometimes parents or African parents don't allow you to pursue your passions mm-hmm. and as you know you sit there you look at the different races you look at them like their parents put them in all these great activities and sports and they are great well-rounded people yeah here i am all i know is books or education or you know what's going on in the news because all they used to play cnn at dinner time so it's like they love them from cnn (laughs) i couldn't watch that for hours and hours and hours I was just like, you're not sick. My dad, before he passed, used to just literally sit here and watch CNN all day. Same thing with my dad. And I'm like, you don't get tired of watching this? All like this the- negativity and everything. Right. All these news. We get it on social media when I scroll off. So it's like just sitting there and just watching it for hours on end. I'm like, eh. Yeah. All these people voicing their opinions and these, you know, round table, yeah, discussions. It's, it's just like, I don't. Okay, that's great. You you updated me. However, I need to go and see what else is out there. Yeah, so. no, seriously. But you know, even with me, like one of my main passions was like music with the whole rap mm-hmm. situation. I don't know if I dropped my mixtape in the group chat or not. I could probably do it again or whatever. Because I haven't been bringing a whole lot of attention to it because I wanted to wait until I actually put more content out there. So it's mm-hmm. like, okay. But it's like, uh, yeah, that's what really got through a lot of my issues in school and everything. That was my way to vent. That was my way to, you know, like get through like my, my parents divorcing and then like me having to deal with like having to deal with like the broken home I had left and then trying to mm-hmm. protect my brother and everything, having to deal with uh, really have to settle for like uh, like a less than like um, a less than how, how can I say a less than I don't want to say flawless less than uh, less than um, a life that's just not like you know like stellar? Yeah, not stellar. Yeah, we can leave it as stellar. This is not how I predicted how life would be for I had to really settle in for a whatever ass life just so like I could be able to protect my brother, him be able to get through school and everything. He had a good good support system behind mm-hmm. that. So I had to just deal with whatever. Like, okay, I hate this place, but I'm gonna just have to deal with it. 
uh, for my family or whatever, even though it takes a lot like from me. And that's just that's just it. You know, it's just it's just trying to overcome that and push forward. That's what really got me through that and everything. So like now it's like I feel like it molded me to be like be more creative in terms of like, you know, be catching on seeing certain patterns of things Mm -hmm. within the business situation and learning how to push with that. So it's like you learn, you live and you learn, basically. You kind of said an important thing in which I feel like growing up in African household, they don't do, which is support. And it's like you got to fight for the support or they just said no. And I'm like, in order to be the best you or whatever you pursue, these passions or these projects, you need the support. It's the same as when you have these kids go to the sports activities and you have these parents supporting them. Mm -hmm. And they need that because that's how they know that, okay, even if I fail, I have a great support system behind me. And I was like, my my cousin actually sent me a funny TikTok um, of like parents of an African child saying, oh, I'm depressed. And they was like responding to African parent, oh, and they're like depressed. I'm depressed, going in your room and looking at the mess. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like no time. Ta- yeah, when you come to like serious mental issues, they're just sitting like, there like depress some yeah. dishes, please. And I was sitting there like mimicking them, like spell depressed. Like that's how they respond. Spell depressed. You and me, who's more depressed? Like you know, <laughs> it'd be funny, but it's like you know, it's just it's just one of those things. I feel like at the same token, it's also another lesson that if like you really have have a passion for something you got to keep in mind this world no one's entitled there's gonna you can't like mm-hmm. expect support from people you can't expect people to just support you even if it's your own blood you can't expect it but you know you got nice it'd be nice <laughs> it would be nice but at the same time it's crucial and that's why i feel like yeah. we need to create the change like when you have your own kids and create your own relationships you need to support them how they are able to tell you they need to be supported yeah. so whenever my cousins are sitting there pursuing their passions and stuff like that I ask them like okay so how do you need support like this or whenever they're having a bad day or you know they need mental support I'm just like well how can I support you in this moment and then I just feel like it creates better relationships and now when I'm going through stuff I have my own support system that yeah. they're like what's going on I have cousins that was that fly, that flew down like I'm coming to see you I'm like great because I needed that yeah um, and I feel like that's just something we need to keep going because now if I sit there and tell my mom, oh, I'm crying because I'm sad. Okay, go make money. You'll feel better. Like, <laughs> I mean, you do feel a little bit better. I mean, but at the same token, it's just like, yeah, building good relationships with your cousins also, your brothers, you know, because I feel like we're the only people that actually understand how to grow within this system and everything yeah. and then try to how to fight the system. So I feel like building uh, lasting relationships with them over the decades would really kind of help kind of break a lot of the generational curses because it's not just because it's not just a parent it's actually a whole village raising a child so it's just like you know you definitely want to grow within a system in which that has a whole a lot of support but also Mm -hmm. support from people that actually understand what you're going through and what you're trying to accomplish like i have a friend in when i met in college he was liberian also geo tribe i'm mono tribe so we're sister tribes Mm -hmm. and everything he he does the whole music thing and everything even though we don't talk all the time but every time we link or we locked in and everything it's always like positive yeah yeah we also talk about a whole lot of things and stuff about like even the same thing we talk to it's like the same way you get lost like oh wait we catch up a long time next we know it's 
like five hours done past. You're like, oh my god. Yeah, well, my cousin too. She he does music. They all do beats and everything. Want to do the rap thing also, and stuff. So like being in that circle of people, we we could actually make it into something over like a couple decades. Yeah, sure. Our parents may not support it, support it, but it actually shows you to find balance. Like yeah, sure you can do run to your passions too, but first focus on you. Mm-hmm. Like as soon as I get a lot of my paychecks from Novon and everything, a lot of it's gonna pour into like stuff like my music and other things of that nature you know and then i could be able to take care of myself moving mm-hmm. forward so it's really just a matter of just getting things set up uh, for that you know so it's just like you know it's just the great thing about being within like living within that culture is that it teaches you the importance of hard work and yeah. really to learn to be dependable within yourself you know it yeah. really does show you how to do that so it's like you know i give it up for my parents and my culture for doing that for me. yeah i mean I, i'm not gonna find i do still appreciate my upbringing because uh, my parents also told me the importance of family of you know and they're like you know family is not important but you have to remember because my dad grew up um a single child between his parents and he had other step siblings but you know it wasn't great all the time and it was like he sometimes felt like an outcast because of the fact that you know sometimes his dad was upset that his mom you know was the one that left him so he because my dad looked like my mom mm-hmm. it was problematic sometimes yeah. and and stuff of that nature so and then you know Africans also have the big thing like if you're the oldest child you you can beat your younger siblings and then you know that was also problematic because sometimes I was like, why are you touching my kids? Like, that's like, they cause trouble, you know? <laughs> I, I didn't, I, I only got one younger brother. I, I, oh, I we, we, we be wrestling up, but that's just about it. I, I ain't disappointed. Right? Nobody. So it's like, I'm actually the third one mm-hmm. out of four. Mm-hmm. So my sisters used to grow up kind of like beating me when I was bad. And I used to be like, who are you touching? But I appreciate those moments because that is them letting me know that I, I was wilding out. Like, mm-hmm. I needed to calm down. And they were they like, taking you to the side and let you know what was up. They're not the I don't know. I was, we were rowdy kids, okay? We were rowdy. Yeah, same with me and my brother. I don't know. Something about African kids, we like to fight. <laughs> yeah, we like to fight. So it was funny enough because we all fought in different ways. So me and my brother were very close growing up because we were closer in age. So it was like me and my brother used to like fist fight. And then, like, my parents were like, you can't fight. And they, they would, like, hit us and beat us. But then, like, an hour later, my brother was laughing like nothing happened. And my parents, they just didn't understand it. After a while, they just stopped beating us. They were like, you know what? You're going to work it out. Yeah. yeah, they're like, we're tired. Yeah, me and my brother, I don't know. It's just a wrestling up thing for us. Like, we, we, would, we would legit fight over some years. But now it's, like, it's so calm because we're just older now. So it's just, I guess all that testosterone. Yeah. It just kind of just goes away after now. So we just talk about, like, hey, you want to go to a boxing Right, girls, right. So now I... I just I don't even really fight with my siblings or anything we'll just have an argument mm-hmm. then like maybe next day like you want some food or you know like mm-hmm. would you like we're over it and I feel like because of my dad that you know we were just like you're still my blood my dad was like why did you he before he would even give us a whooping he would sit there and like talk to us you know he was like well why did you fight he was like, do you know that's your sibling? Mm-hmm. You know, you're from blood. He's like, when I'm gone, that's all you're going to have. They're not wrong. Yeah, and you know, when you're young, you're not trying to hear this. You're like, but, you, but you, when you grow older, you start to appreciate, like, this is actually my blood. So there used to be moments where we would all get in trouble. My dad was trying to single us out, and we would not snitch on each other. We would not, we would all get in trouble, like, no one's snitching. And that's something we're still practicing today. Like, if my siblings are in trouble, I don't care where I am, I'm, I'm showing up. I'm like, all right, I'm in my car right now driving. So <laughs> it's like, I'm coming to you and I'm just like well these are the moments that I appreciate you know the the importance of family and that is why 
and I have my close friends mm-hmm. and you know my support system I'm just like yo you're kind of like my family now so yeah. just as much as you take care of me I need to take care of you as well <laughs> I need to be there to be like you know we're all a tribe right we are a tribe like they said like I understand why they say it takes a village to raise a child because mm-hmm. I'm just like sometimes when my parents didn't do it I had aunties they were like you good what's going on like why are you asking up and I'm like auntie da, da, da. you know they would they would talk to you in a different way than your parents would mm-hmm. and that's why you're able to connect better with them mm-hmm. and you know when you're over your cousin's house you just tell them what's going on sometimes your older cousins will be like well, why are you acting like this you know where your younger cousins will be like all right well you know I'm, I'm gonna do it too but then when you get older you see your young cousins doing it you're like you can't be doing the same shit I was doing like, yeah, <laughs> it's man. not gonna work out so it really is it's really it really do be like that man like I swear it's like it's always such a process in terms of just really trying to develop that communication with your parents too because yeah. like generational it's always like a gap and everything because they didn't grow up in this country I'm assuming that y'all both of your parents of course are in not they're in Nigeria yeah. they came with straight off the you know bought a plane ticket and everything yeah. and I, that's another thing as well is was I was like kind of a little bit sad about is that my parents didn't open up about their own trauma until I was like well into my 20s mm-hmm. and I'm like if you would have told me why in the time because I was a curious child I would ask questions if things didn't make sense to me yeah. I, I asked questions because I'm like I'm asking to understand so you know I could understand where you're coming yeah. from I can understand why you did what you did and you know parents are just like stop asking questions you're being rude and but it wasn't until my dad would tell me stories later on in life that I'm just sitting here like wow you went through some shit and a lot of our parents got PTSD and that they don't yeah they don't talk like, yeah, about like mental health in the African like community not just Nigeria it's frowned Liberia, upon yeah it's always seen as like an evil spirit or just you right they're lazy. like I have God I'm like you know what that's great you have him but sometimes that's that's not enough for what you're experiencing I mean it's enough in ter- not enough enough but it's a process of trying to learn to heal from it actually yeah. learn to find ways to break through even like I've been through a whole lot of stuff too and like I still got PTSD over a lot of things that happened in my past that I had to deal with discrimination, all types of stuff. And even with bullying on top of that too, man, it was like, it was crazy. You wouldn't expect someone tall like this or be like the, be bullied at them, but people find ways. People like right. spread rumors. They'll say certain things that don't make any sense just to drive you out of your character. And just me trying to move past that and trying to regain my power. Right, and I'm like, spiritually, you're healing from that. But I'm like, presently, you know, mentally, emotionally, you, you need to deal with that. Like both my parents, well, my mom technically was born... Um, just after, I mean, just after, like, literally 20, 21 days after Nigeria got their independence, my mom mm-hmm. was born. So she was very, like, four or five-ish when they had the whole civil war going on in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so my mom would tell me stories of how, because she was very young and they cut her hair, they would send her to do the errands to, like, go to the supermarket and get, People trying you know, to grab her and everything. Right, they wouldn't touch her because, she, one, she looked like a boy, and two, she was a child. And so they were, like, at the time, when the people, the soldiers that came to her village were interested in only, like, raping the women mm-hmm. and they didn't they was like they wouldn't wait young children they wouldn't wait pregnant women so mm-hmm. they, because my mom was very young they would allow my mom to go so the other woman wouldn't get like you know sexual assaulted by the soldiers and uh, on the flip side my dad was actually a teenager when mm-hmm. the when the civil war happened in Nigeria so he was in I think he said he was in like either secondary school which is like high school or middle mm-hmm. school but basically when the war broke out he was in school and people was like run the soldiers are here and he yeah. just had to take off running 
running and he was just seeing bodies dropped yeah, as he's running. Yeah. That's legit PTSD. PTSD. Like people don't realize like how we literally grew up amongst survivors. Like right. refugees. Like people that really saw people's heads getting cut off in front right. of them and they had to just move on with their lives. Classmates murdered. Classmates that you sat there and was talking to last week is now dead on the ground being buried. Or they're, or they're just gone. Like and yeah. you never see them again until never. maybe they get Facebook. Like my mom was so happy about Facebook because she could connect with people from back in the day from her yeah. school days and everything. Oh, they're still alive. Oh, they're so good. Like really, like you really think like people like that, they cross your mind. Like, you be thinking about people from high school or college, they cross your mind from time to time, but you never think like, oh man, I hope they're not dead. Oh man, right. I hope they're, you, you just know, like, okay, yeah. I wonder how they're doing. They were like, these people might not be alive. And so mm-hmm. my dad like didn't even run home. He ran like miles all the way to my aunt's house, which is all the way on the other side, just so he can escape it. And I'm like, yo, that's very... And when he told me this, mind you, he told me this in his 20s. Like, when I know when I was 20. He's blessed. Yeah, he is blessed. I'm sitting there like, you don't don't think you should talk to someone about this? And then, mind you, on top of that, he was in Tennessee going to university. Mm -hmm. And Tennessee was very racist. So he had to deal with racism. He told me... This is a new concept to him. Because it's like people getting discriminated over skin color just sounds asinine. He's like, what? I just just came from a whole civil war. You got... you, You discriminated me over the color of my skin and he's told me stories of how he was arrested and they tried to like blame him for like stealing and he was like these you know these people are like the ones who he frankly he never spent time in jail thankfully he never got good, sentenced good. but that's still traumatic to sit there and be wrongfully you accused know for accused anything. yeah and have to sit there and ha- like have someone who's white vouch for you that's yeah. the only way you got released literally literally, literally. <laughs> you had to it's a freaking that white savior type right. situation in real time but yeah man PTSD really runs through that family so that's why like when it comes to even fights or even anger or like oh you gotta respect me blah 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 you know it's all uh, the sense of PTSD because they don't know how to handle conflict without having to do the absolute most because for to survive they had to do the absolute most running from one town to another that's a lot running from one country to another to escape something that had nothing to do with you is a lot yeah you know even when my mom with the whole civil war situation and everything they were getting sold Soul soldiers didn't care. At least y'all soldiers that was messed up. At least they didn't touch kids and nothing like that. Our soldiers didn't. The soldiers that were just out to come and get us, they were going for children and they would bury them under you a, see? alive, alive. Yeah. Get a whole group of children that done nothing to you. You bury them because mm-hmm. you're trying to like literally exterminate a whole, a whole group of people. We're doing genocide to our own people. Yes, groups of people. Yes. Why? Because of a disagreement. They could have sat down. They could have found some solution. We don't try to find solution. We like confusion, and that's what ruins confusion us. confusion and the false identity of who's who. And you know what that comes from? The whole World War Two with Hitler, and they're like, "Oh, he's able to do it. Oh, these people colonize." And even though they colonized, they still had, they still implemented the idea that lighter is better. Yeah. So it's like. Or more superior. Right. Or more superior. So you're sitting there like, all right, because you're like, you know, that's it. And now I'm sitting here like recently, I feel like I'm kind of dealing with the identity that, yo, I feel like there's white in my family Mm -hmm. on both sides. Like my mom sat there and told me like my great grandma on her side was white and my dad's grandma was white. And I'm sitting here like I sat here talking about I'm probably Nigerian 
and I have colonization in my blood. I mean, you gotta check, you gotta check in with the DNA test and it's just. Right. See what's I, I mean, it's there. I know it's there because my dad is was very light, so yeah, it's no. it, it's. I, Even I my dad deny. has some Asiatic type, especially. I feel like a lot of that had to do with like uh because like we're mono people, so we originated from Sudan mm-hmm. all the way to like present day Liberia over like some hundred hundreds of years ago, and I feel like a lot of us mixing in with people trading like the mm-hmm. Arabs and folks like that and stuff nature. I might have did something to a certain degree to kind of change our aesthetic from person to person. I'd be having aunties that are full blood Liberian, but they have like colors that are just kind of a little bit lighter or maybe yeah. some of the more have more acetic type of set. You know what I'm saying? There's always like a mixture of things. Like we don't really blend in a whole lot with our tribe as deep because we're all different, but at the same time. It's yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I had to realize it too, even sometimes looking at the texture of my hair because other Nigerians be like, I have nice hair. And I'm like, what do you, what do you mean I have nice hair? It's just hair. <laughs> but they're like, no, it's not as coarse as typical what they expect of African hair mm-hmm. when you know it's like coarse and short and I, it was like you have thick and nice and and I'm just sitting here like y'all not gonna sit here and do me like this like, <laughs> I know my right I'm just as much Nigerian as anything mm-hmm. else like don't play me you know so um, it's just realizing that I have to eventually I don't know the history because now you know my dad's gone and I still have my mom but I have to start acknowledging that side of you and I asked my mom too I'm like how did this you know come to be even though we're colonized she was like well basically where our state is it's kind of like by water mm-hmm. so they were come by boat and they would come to, you know, trade and stuff like that. So they, some of them ended up staying there and living there. So that's how it happened. Oh, okay, that's very interesting and stuff yeah. of that nature. Yeah, there's just so many aspects of it. Because, you know, um, I don't know what what's up with it with Africans and everything. Uh, when it comes to, like, we're dealing with white folks, oh, so you got to take a car right now? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's not All right. So, yeah, it's like, you know, but I want to learn more. Like, what, can you really go into detail, like, uh, what happened with the whole uh, Nigerian situation with the whole civil war? Like, what brought about that? Do you have any idea? Um, that I feel like it's, my, my memory is a bit sketchy with it because I believe there was one, like, Biafra war. Mm. And they were, I, I forgot. I, I read the article, what oh. it, what happened. But then I'm, I'm just still confusing. But it's always a quest for power. It's always okay. a quest of going from military coup to then trying to do democracy. So you're fighting over that. And I feel like what also happened with Biafra, if I'm not mistaken, is that they wanted their own state. Mm. And they were like, nah, we're not having this. So they started a whole civil war over creating their own state just for the state to not happen. Mm. Um, I think either their own state or their own country, one of them. And they were like, nah, you're gonna still be Nigeria. So <laughs> I think that's a just don't, I, you know, I'm, I'm ashamed to say that as well. It's okay. Nothing to be ashamed Because yeah. we don't know that, because like the whole Civil War concept already sounds asinine as it is, especially yes. with the lack of resource. We got a whole lot of resource and we're like, you know, when there's so much work to be done, there's like, why even fight? But it's like, yeah, I feel like with the Liberian case, it's just like how I told you earlier, it's when mm-hmm. the slaves came down, they thought they were better, they didn't give no power to ind- indigenous people, nothing. Indigenous people weren't liking that. Indigenous people took over. Then other indigenous people wanted their own power. Then mm-hmm. other, then it became like an extermination attempt, you know, or yeah, genocide attempt. They do the absolute power. most for nothing. Well, they really could have compensated people, you know, in a way. Right. You know? And then America gets into it and makes it worse by giving. Like, Nobody asks America to to come. That's that's the problem. Yeah. 
But I would say though, oh, sorry, sorry, them drinks are kicking. But I would say the one interesting thing, because um, when I was in undergrad, I had to, I I chose Liberia to study for civil society because mm-hmm. I was interested in how, you know, you came to contacts because at the time you were considered a more peaceful nation, mm-hmm. and I think it was about two thousand. I was in undergrad about two thousand ten, two thousand fourteen, just about. So what thing that interested me is about Liberia that you guys actually started like what's considered truth and reconciliation reconciliation commission so basically what it is that you have the effects of the war like you said and this commission was was created to establish the wrongs that happened at the war and ways they can do to repair it so it was like truth admit what happened at it admit the facts of it and then conciliation is what can we do to heal the people that were affected by the war. And I'm like, I think that's the big step even for an African nation because in a lot of countries, especially with the genocide that happened in Africa, we're doing these. Mm-hmm. And we had some established, I think, in Europe and um, Latin America was kind of big on these as well, which I thought was great. Not Latin, but South America as well was very big on these. And I'm like, I think that's very great if all certain African countries can establish this mm-hmm. and take fault and accountability for what happened a lot of them not doing that yeah yeah <laughs> they got too much pride and it's just like you know i feel like some people try to do some things but they don't really really get to the root of really like setting like the trend of like really trying to find solutions to it i feel like they need to send a lot of the african kids out there abroad mm-hmm. i feel like they need to start sending them out and you actually, know that's what yeah. kills me especially in nigeria that we have all these educated people but the education system is terrible there. Corruption. Um, corruption is very big. And these people in power that sit there and talk about, oh, Nigeria, this, send their kids to European schools to go get educated. And I'm like, so why won't you have your kids educated in the country you're working in? What's wrong with those systems, huh? I the, mean, you, you said they're great, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but it's like, you know, at the same time, they are pretty all right, like in the in our countries. and We could compete better, but there's yes. a certain sense of just like, you know, well, after these civil Wars. There's so much in disarray, and just the steps to really kind of repair that. On top of trying to break, make something new. Because when something's destroyed, you gotta create something new from scratch. From the ashes. From the you ashes. Be like a phoenix. Yeah, like Let phoenix. it burn down and create beautiful masterpiece from yeah. the ashes. Yeah, from the but they don't want to do that, and and that's part of the problem. I even watched. It was hilarious. I watched a video. Um, I want to say about like last year or so. The even earlier this year, this guy was stealing money from a commission that. Yeah to establish Nigeria to like build funds and build a community and they pressed him about it in like an um at a hearing like what'd you do with the funds and his man pretended to be asleep during the whole meeting yeah man it's and then just... like what, you don't hear us like what, what happened to the money the and I'm just sitting here like why is he not in jail why is he not sending you just sitting there asking questions like there needs to be more accountability and out of that that's when more dictators will probably rise up when it comes okay there's too much crazy stuff going on people like to fall behind one leader you know and like you know the whole like for our country we got George Way you know he used to be a football player and uh, mm-hmm. I don't know how he got to be like a basketball it's kind of like America <laughs> that's like Hulk Hogan trying to get Hulk Hogan trying to be president of the United States and I don't want to shit on George Way it's like I know but it's like I don't I don't know if he's gonna be in office for long 
But I mean, I feel like a lot of us have to depend on ourselves to kind of figure out like, you know, I've even spoke about it, like even with my uncle, you can see it on past episodes of my uh, Mm -hmm. podcast. I've interviewed uh, some like my grandfather and uh, his brother, my grand uncle, my grandco and things of that nature. So it's just like to give really a reflection on what needs to be done or what the climate was in uh, in Liberia and what things we need to really set the trend for. Because my grandfather left around in the the early 80s, I think. Mm -hmm. So before all the Civil War stuff happened, my mom actually lived a little bit through the Civil War and had to leave because of the Civil War and everything, my mom and her sister. And then it's just like, you know, just uh, different aspects of people who were born in this country because they like literally had to just because of a Civil War and everything and trying to really find ways to really heal from all that. You know, it's just, it's a process. It really is a process. My thing is, I want to really turn Liberia into, like, how the Bahamas and how Jamaica kind of is. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, yeah, sure, they got a little bit of poverty, but at least it's a vacation place where people can right. actually go and visit. A lot of people come, um, actually want to come to Nigeria, too, for tourism reasons. Yeah. And I know Ghana's doing this whole thing where, in December, they welcome a lot of people to come back and get to know your roots and stuff like that. And get their citizenship. Which, yeah, get their citizenship, which I think would be really great for some of these um, other countries as well. Especially Nigeria, especially Liberia, for a fact that it was actually found by U.S. slaves. Yeah. So you, that's your country. But that's our real do you country. Want to know, the only fault with Liberia is that they would not allow you to have dual citizenship. That is a problem right now. Why is that? I, I never don't understood know. That. Like, it's so <laughs> dumb. Like, yeah, why, I, like, what do you have to be like? What's the deal? It's not gonna I, describe. No, uh, yeah, I was just like, what? Like, I'm so confused because I used to. Um, I also have um, a very good librarian friend. I'm like, mm. why don't you just get your citizenship? Your parents are like, like, we they don't allow dual citizenship. And I'm like, what? What kind of nonsense is that? And like, my parents was not playing. I've had dual citizenship since birth, basically, yeah. and I just had to go back and refresh my passport according to my age because it, it was um there was a time that there was a gap that um so what you I want about go. Nigeria is they know what to do right? <laughs> we don't know nothing bro. I'm telling you like it's so lost like I swear we could really learn to get our stuff together but we're so self-destructive it's like none of it yeah. makes sense and that's the problem I just feel like you one of us has to just take the step to sit there and take a step back and be like I want to be the change I want to see and start the process and stuff like that I don't know whether we could change a whole country in 10 years or so that's that's a tall order I feel like it's possible I feel like it's very possible yeah but you need like a nation behind you an army behind you even Germany can go from in debt from the first world war to being like a literal superpower right by the second one even though it was terrible even though they were terrible yeah. yeah but at the same time all it takes is really once everyone kind of on board keep in mind these people were murdering mm-hmm. people like literally with the whole uh, oh, so if you yeah yeah but it's like uh yeah man y'all really got it together in terms of just all that and stuff but even with germany germany even though they were doing all types of crazy stuff like their people was behind them like you mm-hmm. know and everything it's just like is that your friend it's a, it's a nice car I don't think that's her. She had a different car. Okay. It's probably someone else. But anyway, at the same token, it's really, I feel like it's possible. You know, it's like, you know, we're really getting into an era where a lot of us are kind of growing up now. We're going into positions and everything. Mm -hmm. And it's just going to take a matter. I don't, it won't be in the 2020s, but definitely towards the (laughs) end of the 2020s, maybe the 3030s, 2030s. Oh, that's her? Oh, that's her. No. Okay. But, um, yeah, it's just, it's really just going to be a matter of really just, Really have to really fight illiteracy because that's that's one of the main things. People mm-hmm. aren't not aren't really well read in 
self-aware in regards to what needs to be done. We need to fight that. We really need to learn to really invest in ourselves, uh, black-owned mm-hmm. businesses in uh, Liberia. That would definitely work. My idea is I'd like, probably turn like the beaches into some resorts Bye. and everything. Actually, make <laughs> it like you know safe for for people to be there. Give them some things to do. Maybe open a boardwalk. Maybe with the with the Ferris wheel. Some of the, really American. I we're like the America of uh, of Africa. We're little yeah. America yep. and for the Liberia side of it. So it's just like once we really create better relations between the U.S. and Liberia to the degree was, like, OK, they can invest in us. Same way they can invest maybe in Puerto Rico, maybe not becoming like a, maybe an unofficial state in a sense. Right. Like, actually do something where it's like, OK, if you want to get better, better relations with the rest of Africa, you got to come through us, really like set it up. Yeah, like us. be the mediators. Because yeah, yeah. I feel like Liberia has the resources to become mediators. They're just yeah. not doing it. Yeah, we can be um, like what Hong Kong is for China. Yeah, I'm just like, why, why not? You know, sit there and be like, you know, or you know, as another thing, when flights are so expensive, even to get to Africa, it'd be great to have like a major hub that like, okay, you can direct your flights to this, and yeah, have to go straight to Europe. Yeah, why the fuck I'm going to Europe for? Put me in fucking Africa, then you know, transfer me over. Build (laughs) build some uh, some air stations on the west for sure. Like get approved from some air codes so you can get flights, you know, flight plans directed to your airport, and we good because a lot of uh, black americans will definitely like to reconnect in like africa but it's like they get this feeling that they would just be strange and so i feel like liberia could be that first step because literally like mm-hmm. we speak our main language is english, english yeah. so it's like you know we were found by u.s slaves that's already that's already a green that's all you there. need you're, you're but, already blending in but people usually go to ghana because they feel like ghana is like the main one it's like where they're where they really start so, which is like one of the main spices but most people in like america that are black are descendants of Nigerians for mm-hmm. a reason. So it's like, they should really build that connection with them in Liberia and Ghana. Those are the, maybe like the three countries right there. Liberia, Nigeria, and Ghana. That, that should be the main ports right there. But that's just my thoughts on stuff for that matter. Like, what are some matters that you feel like you need to improve in Nigeria? Corruption. You gotta stop. <laughs> and I feel like we need better support system. I need everybody to actually want to help each other, not since they're always like, because you're doing better, I don't want to support you. Um, we also need to improve, like, they're just the relations between communities. Stop thinking one tribe is better than the other. Like, stop it. Everybody's values is different. Right. Everyone's values is different. Just be appreciated. And there's no unity. And I feel like Africa is huge. We all need to unite, like, seriously. We mm-hmm. all need to unite. Because when you think about it, or this is a common fact, all our resources are basically in Africa. Africa mm-hmm. does not need to go to another continent to yeah. outsource anything. You have everything in Africa. Mm-hmm. So why are we not banding together to charge these other countries an arm and a leg to get our resources? Mm-hmm. Because think about it. That's what kind of, like, North Carolina... I mean, not North Carolina. That's is what... It, is that your friend? North, Yeah. That's what North Carolina is doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we are. But that, when you think about it, that's what um, the North America, that's what I was trying to fucking say. And I'm just saying North Carolina. But that's what North America is doing. You have NATO. You have, even though we're supposed to have the United Nations, that shit is a joke. That shit needs to change. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Europe as well has their own type of agreement as well. So I'm just like, if they have these agreements, yeah. well, and then I think Africa, Africa, Africa has their own as well when it comes to oil. We're, but, we're going to get our own currency in Africa. Right. Gaddafi was going to push that, but they assassinated. They assassinated. It always starts. And I was like, when was Gaddafi a problem? It's the whole 
thing. And then now look at like Libya. Chaos, slavery out the ass, people trying to get on trucks to go to Europe. It's insane. And America not in, in sight to actually help with none of them. Right. America's like, like oh, we need her. to get rid of that dictator, but now we're silent. I still don't understand why we're in Iraq. I still don't understand why we're in Afghanistan. What was the point? Oil, oil. Vietnam, resources. Korea. Still don't understand the point of resources. these wars. It's just to push that, that narrative the right. strongest. Saying, that's, but, how, that's, how we, that's why America creates so many But enemies. we're silent with Ukraine? We, we're silent with Ukraine? What? <laughs> yeah, just, we're going to side once it helps us, once it's like good yeah. for us. But that's just kind of how it's so frustrating to sit down and talk about. I know we already passed the hour mark, so I, I appreciate you for hopping on the podcast and everything. I feel like we spoke about a whole lot of great matters. We did. We yeah. need a part two to this. It's- <laughs> See, season three. Season three. Season, season three is coming I'm up. here for that. <laughs> Maybe I'll have a video by then, like with a camera. So I that's am awesome. not. I, you know, I, I thought initially that's what it's going to be. We're going to be on camera as well. That's what I'm Oh, no, no, no. It's, it's easier like this because I like, guess less pressure. I'm, you gotta I'm not there. upset. I like to be anonymous anyway. <laughs> so. right You're not going to be too anonymous here. Episode, I'm going to put your name in the episode and everything. So that's fine. Like, I don't have social media so nobody can follow me. Okay. Ah, that's <laughs> Okay, that's actually good for your mental health too. It is. I had to do. I had to detox on social media because I actually got rid of it about a couple of years ago. I want to say about twenty seventeen. Um, because I was just like, I am so sick of the same people doing the same whack ass yeah. poses. And now we are doing TikTok. Right now, I refuse to get TikTok. I refuse. Well, that's fine. I refuse to get Snapchat. None of that. I don't care what any of y'all doing. Y'all looking for me? Text me. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. But it's just like on the real, man. It's just uh, I need to be on this stuff so I can do the podcast situation i can yeah. put it out there so it's like as soon as i get 150 it's like marketing i gotta be on it so it's like i have to be with social media i, I want to take a break so bad but it's just like it's just one of those things that i feel like it's good put uh certain things out there and it builds my brand also i understand you want to build a podcast like your own too. i do i can help you with that of course i'm looking forward to it um interestingly enough my podcast will focus on tennis i'm a big tennis fan okay um and i feel like not a lot of black people or africans as well are aware of what tennis is and i ask most of my friends like do you watch tennis and like no and the problem they don't is because they don't understand what's going on it's not easy to follow as well like basketball it's even i don't even feel, feel like football is easy to follow but somehow because that's the great u.s sport people catch on and I, I feel like I want to develop like a podcast for people to get familiar with tennis because all they know of tennis is like Serena I'm like yes but yeah. you need to understand why she's great and you need to understand why some of these other players are great as well mm-hmm. so it's just like I, I want you know a platform for people to learn the sport to understand it and want to encourage their kids to play it mm-hmm. because there's money there you know there's money and there's talent and there's like you say how you have hard work ethics but you stay dedicated that is what tennis is you know yeah you definitely so, want to expand your horizon tennis yeah uh, maybe hockey who knows just try something right, new something different if I was interested in hockey I would but I am a huge huge like diehard tennis fan I watch every single tournament mm-hmm. possible I want to get into hockey because they got cool jerseys and I want to wear do it too. I don't want to wear it and be like you don't know nothing about hockey it's like okay but I, I like have yes to go to a hockey game and I, I'm ashamed to say that because New York is a very big hockey state so they're like the Rangers I'm like oh my god <laughs> don't know about it but yeah we, we definitely got to end uh, with this uh, episode and everything I know we can go on about all sorts of things I know I do oh appreciate god. you for hopping on Miss Seno of course it's great being here thank you for the invite I really enjoyed doing this podcast and I can't wait for more see me on season 3 right yeah, definitely, definitely got to do season 3 alright take it we're sewing in and now we're sewing out alright